Warning, the show you're about to listen to is real as fuck. If real as fuck offends you, please go to another podcast. You're listening to Mika Knows Unfiltered. Are you listening? What's up? It's me, Mika Knows, and welcome back to another episode of Mika Knows Unfiltered. I want to talk about some things today. What motivates you? I mean, it's easy to say that your future or what you want in the future motivates you, but what really motivates you? I think some people don't know because they don't pay attention to themselves. But one thing I've come to notice is that what really motivates me, like what really motivates me, is money. Um, being financially secure. But like right now, uh, I'm a little discouraged by, and, and I'm impatient. So I'm a little discouraged and I'm very impatient. So the idea of future money doesn't excite me. If currently, you know, I'm unstable or if currently I have a grind to do. So my priority is always what makes me money right now, which can take away from a lot of what I do. Because it seems like with me, if I don't see an immediate return I get discouraged or I get distracted or I just plain and simple get bored. And I've decided to talk about that today. I have so many things and I, I well, so many things I want to accomplish. Um, if you don't know, you will know that my ultimate goal is to have multiple stable streams of income and to never be employed, officially employed again. And it sounds horrible because people are like, oh, you're lazy. You don't want to get a job. Or why would you leave a stable job for instability? But honestly, I think I just have to explain to y'all what I, what I have felt. I don't know how many of you work jobs um, that you don't like, but I know a good bit of us do. It can't just be me, right? And I think a lot of us deal with it because we feel like we have no other choice. We pout on too many responsibilities, like we bought a house too soon, or we bought a car too soon, or we got kids too soon, or we got married too soon, or we got too much debt to escape from, and we got too many student loans and all of this stuff. Like we got bills right now. So we deal with the right now. And the best way we know how to deal with the right now is with the worker mentality of working for someone else for stability. And I see people go to jobs that they complain about all day and they're happy. Or 
let me rephrase that. I see them go to these jobs that they're clearly unhappy at, but while they're doing the job, they are super content or at least appear that way. But it was so hard for me to be content at a lot of these positions I've had over the years. Um, I know my last position, it got to the point where I was crying on my lunch break. Not because one major thing had happened, but just everything. Every day I had that energy. Days where I had gotten up super early just to start the day off right didn't even help because by the time I made it to work, all it took was one phone call. And it was so easy for supervisors who didn't have to deal with the volumes that we deal with today. It was so easy for them to tell you, don't take it personal. And for some people, they were able to separate themselves from the calls. But for me, it was just too much. It was too much energy. It was too much talking. I mean, I love to talk, but I don't like to listen to other people talk, honestly. I'm good for about 10 minutes of focus without me interrupting, maybe. Um, and I was in customer service and sales, um, so I, I switched between the two off and on since I was 16. So I've always been listening to people and listening to people. Initially, it was exciting because I got to make my own money. But when I started getting in my later years, it just became such a drag. And I thought, well, maybe I just need a change. And honestly, a quick fix. I would quit one job after I got like a year or so in and apply to another job. And then it'd be fresh again. It'd be new. So I'd be so into it. I'd feel like this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. It's so fun learning about the different systems. And then even when I started to take the calls, it was so fun taking the calls and getting the hands on. But after the first year, I'd always feel like, is this it? Is this it? And some people, you know, I encountered a lot of people. I started working with people twice my age when I was in my early 20s. And I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, they've been with companies seven years and 10 years and 20 years. And I'm just like, hey, you like this? Like at one job, I was in the retention position. And retention was basically, I can break it down as, it was for a cable company. We, you know, the sales reps would start customers off in these great promotion packages. And before they were for 12 months or some for 24 months. Um, now, probably about a month or two before they expired, the company would send out these letters letting them know their bill was gonna go up in the next couple of months because their promotion is expiring and to call in. Now, if they called in, it was always attitude, why is my bill going up? As if they didn't hear the term introductory or promotion or 12 months or 24 months. You know, it's just, why is my bill going up? Yada, yada, yada. Why do I have to call? And I get it. It's such an inconvenience, but thanks for calling ahead of time before you get canceled. So it would seem easy to retain customers because we had access to all the promotions that, um, you know, they gave to us, which are, it were, they were pretty good uh, promotions. And what really killed that job for me was the notifications started going out 
later. So it seemed like where customers were notified two months in advance and they had time to call in. It started them being, they started being notified like a month in advance. And then if they put it off and not call in, then they were calling in after the jump, which wouldn't be a problem. Because like I said, we had the promotions to put them in it, but we were expected to meet metrics to keep them above the promotional rates they were just kicked out of. And you see, when these people were kicked off of promotional rates, they were kicked to the highest, the, the promotion free rates, which were absurd. You know, we had these customers in a triple play package for $99. After 12 months, they were kicked off and paying $250 for the same exact package. And we were expected um, to have to meet average metrics. So if we took 20 calls that day, you know, our um, our revenue loss per call, I should describe it. That's how I can really, I think it was MRR or something like that. But our revenue loss per call was supposed to be under an average of $10. And then, of course, um, the lines. So cable, internet, and phone, they were each their own separate lines. So we were expected to only have, you know, like maybe one line loss a day, definitely no disconnects. But if you get a disconnect, you want to limit it to one per day. Um, and that was really hard because these people had so many different media companies coming around at them, throwing these promotional offers and gift cards and clearing their old debt just to offer them some new debt. And we were sitting there like, please stay with us. And it got to a point where I had developed a strategy after watching this one girl. She was this um, girl from up north. And what she used to do was when they called in to disconnect, she would go ahead and ask them for a date. And I was like, that can't be working. So I tried it, right? And it worked. They'd be like, hello, um, this is Susie such and such at such and such address on such and such lane. And I see that my bills jumped up to $300 and I want to disconnect my service because this is ridiculous. So the customers were expecting me to fight with them and try to save them. But I was trying this girl's trick. And so what I did was, what I started doing was I would say, okay, I definitely understand that you're looking to disconnect service. What date did you want to disconnect that on? And they would pause like, ah, 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 ah. And it was a good strategy for a while. Wow. Like there were no rules against it. I was basically calling the customer's bluff. They didn't call to disconnect. They called to see what promotions I had. And they called using the tactic of threatening to disconnect. So when I called their bluff, that would get them in negotiation mode instead of instead of a mode of, well, you better do this. Like that lowered them, that humbled them a little bit. Like, oh, this girl's going to disconnect me. Yeah. So I started doing that. And in doing that, I was able to, you know, pull a few cards and scare a couple people out of disconnecting. Like I pulled their punk card and which was the hourly was low. It was $14 an hour, um, which might be okay for some people, but not okay for someone like me who likes to, you know, just have money. So the commission was number one. 
So um, it worked. And some of the months I was getting $3,000 for commission. And that seemed pretty well on top of hourly. Like who cared about hourly? It wasn't what we were working for. We're working for commission. And that was the most important thing. So when the, when the commission check came, it was good. But every time people started making too much money, now this is where I got, I got unhappy. Every time people started making too much money, not that they were costing the company any money, but they themselves were earning too much commissions. They changed the metrics. They would make it harder for you to hit the same metrics. They would tighten them up so less people were having commission. So when you calculate it, you went from getting like 5% of revenue retained to like 2% of revenue retained. It was just a big old mess. And I just got tired of it because I did my job. I, I did the process. They had this little process, you know, the little sales or retention process. Um, if you do this, these are the keys to success, but in doing every single thing, if you still miss your metrics, even though you hit everything else on the mark, you were penalized for it. And, and that, that was one job that really just ticked me off. I really got tired of doing everything I could and being penalized because their, uh, their methods were shit. Ultimately, the company was bought out by another company as expected. Um, they called it merging, but we all know what it was. They were bought out. If people were fired and you had no control over it, you were bought out. But um, yeah, so they were bought out. And by the time they bought out, I had left any type of commission position and went to a set hourly position, which really was a pay decrease. Um so I guess I kind of burned myself out by doing overtime to kind of make up for the commission I was used to getting. I mean, I used to work so much overtime. I don't have kids. And, you know, I think I had a relationship going into that new position. But in the middle of that position, I broke up with my boyfriend. So I was completely free. So I, I pushed that commission to the edge. I mean, that overtime to the edge and pushed myself. And I started doing Uber in my spare time. And, um, was that when I started? No, you know what? Let me correct myself. I didn't start doing Uber then. I had an Uber account, but I started referring people to Uber for extra money. It started with, um, uh, my mama. And then I used to put my link up with the code on Craigslist and different Facebook posts. So I started, um, making a little side money off of that. Um, but that job kind of got, got me started to like my overtime addiction because I needed to make up for the commission I was losing. And then I went, um, well, when the company was bought out, they closed my department. I went to another company um, and they were strictly customer service. No metrics to meet except for productivity. You know what I mean? So it's basically stay on the phones when you're supposed to be on the phone, follow your schedule to a T, be on time and do this. And it was working out pretty well. Like I said, I get motivated off of new stuff. So it was something new and it was great. And then news about the company just being shady with this massive project that they were um, involved in and having their customers pay for through rate increases. Um, when news of that broke, everything just went to shit and it was hard. 
We went from dealing with billing inquiries that only took three to five minutes to dealing with 30 minutes of people ranting and raving about our business uh, practices. And then bad winters and horrible storms came through and people were without service for, you know, days at a time. And it just all got to wear on you. Uh, And then they started limiting overtime at this new job. They started limiting my overtime, telling me, oh, because you work a 10-hour shift, you can only do two extra hours of overtime a day. Which to me, at first I understood because, yeah, I'd be working a bit much after a certain amount of hours. I'm ineffective, I guess. But then when they would drop the ball and customers were calling in like crazy and they needed the volume covered, it was okay to push those limits. I wanted to know why was it okay for me to work work mandatory overtime and for me to get 16 hours during high volume, but then me not be able to get 16 hours on the regular. You know, they weren't offering any discount. Like with the job before I was getting a cable, getting free cable. So that was like money on top of money, really. But at this new job, I was getting nothing for free. I was just getting a paycheck, which maybe I was a little entitled at that point. I liked free freebies. Um, no, I was just getting a paycheck. So I wanted to control as much as I could with that paycheck. And that's when I started doing Uber and Lyft and doing side hustles like DoorDash and all of that. And it got to a point where the side hustles were so dynamic in the experience and I wasn't stuck in one chair listening to bullshit after bullshit. I just stopped wanting to do overtime, especially since it was cut. Like I was, I was limited really to like the way they did the overtime. I was limited to like eight hours of overtime a week. And I, before that I had been like really killing it with the overtime. Like I would get, I would get two hours of overtime on my regular shift days. Um, Well, no, before the two-hour limit, I would get like four hours of overtime on my regular shift days. I'd either come in early, try to stay through lunch sometimes, and then work hours afterwards. Um, But then when I was cut down to two, I still had my day off to work. But then the problem came where they would be putting out the overtime emails, sending them out, and everybody just had the itch for overtime then. Nobody was working it before, but everybody wanted to work it then. Um, They would put out the emails while I'm on lunch. So when I come back, I see the email, but then I see the responses. And then I see the final email that overtime has been secured. So then it was so hard. I had to fight with people. I just stopped doing overtime. And the more I stayed there, I saw different opportunities come up. I saw special projects where people can, you know, sign up to do things that would, you know, break the monotony of being on the phone all day and allow them to get experience in other areas. I saw job positions go up. Now, initially, the excuse for me not at getting positions was that, oh, you have to be here for 18 months before you can apply to another position. Okay, 18 months comes up. Oh, well, you know, you haven't been on the phone that long So basically it was my supervisor telling me this bullshit. So I'm pretty much assuming she probably didn't try to talk me up, even though, even though my productivity and everything was on point at this point, any flaws I had had been worked out, but no, no, she would always give me an excuse. Oh, I heard that you apply to this position and you know, I think that you would be better suited, um, just waiting a little longer, getting a little more experience under your belt. 
And I was like, okay, maybe it's just all about experience. And a lot of people there had been there for 10, 20 years. So I was like, okay, maybe it's all about experience. But then some little ginger chick comes in and every time she starts taking calls, her whole face turns red. She's all flustered. She has to take extra time off the phone. And I just know that she was just giving everyone what they want, not following protocol. So while she needed extra time off the phone because she's flustered and crying and worked up, I'm over there taking calls back to back, no problem. But when it came down to um, a position off the phones becoming available, she got to go before her 18 months, before even, I believe it was less than a year that she had been on the phones, that she got to go to that new position. When I was told that everyone had to be in their position 18 months before they can apply to new positions. It was either 18 or 16 months that we had to be there now that I'm thinking about it, but it was definitely longer than a year. An old girl who can't even handle calls, she got to go. But I ain't no hater, maybe it was just meant for her. So another guy comes in. He starts out, he's taking phone calls, and out of nowhere, he's just, he just disappears. I heard he quit. He reappears months later as the head of QA. Young guy. Couldn't even handle being on the phones, but he's going to head a department that is used to manage the quality of phone calls, the same phone calls that he couldn't even handle. Seeing things like that really bothered me. There was one girl who I actually liked her. She was a cool girl, but I noticed like she had a problem meeting 81% productivity, which means you only have to adhere to your schedule and being on the phone 81% of the time. And she still was having trouble with it, scrambling to meet it at the end of the month. But guess what they let her do? They let her get off the phone and go do this special project with something else. And what I later found out was that the supervisors were nominating people for that. That was why there was no way to submit interest in it. You had to let your supervisor know, be nominated by your supervisor. My supervisor chose the one that brings down our productivity numbers as a team to go and get off the phone. And I guess, honestly, now that I'm saying it, it kind of makes sense because if she's the weak link and she gets off the phone, then her numbers won't count, won't count. But I just noticed little things like that and opportunities that I didn't get to have just because of people knowing people and, and having piss poor metrics, but because you know someone or, but I don't know, because you engage with others, you know, I was told that I need to be more polite to people on the floor. And I was like, what? I'm always nice to everybody. But it was when I came in in the mornings, I didn't speak because honestly, I'm not a punctual person. So when I was coming in in the morning, I wanted to be on time, but I would walk fast. And I'm a big girl. So when I'm walking fast, I can't breathe and talk. I have to focus on getting to my desk. Then I can talk. Some people had seen me, like seeing people speaking to me and me just moving past. I don't like when people speak to me. I told the people that I was, you know, cool and associates with that, hey, don't speak to me when I'm coming in because like I really can't speak back. I'm trying to breathe. But still, I was told that, well, you know, how you are with others plays into you being able to move up as well because people, they look at your personality and they judge you based on that as well. 
just bullshit. And I gave y'all a long ass story just to say that I'm over the bullshit. I feel like if you perform, you should be rewarded for it. And if there's no reward to be given, then fine, give me my paycheck. But if there is a reward, if there are opportunities, why does it go to the people that are barely doing what they're supposed to do? So I quit the politics. I quit the bullshit. And I said, I made enough money with my side hustles. You know, and if I did it full time, I'd probably make enough to support myself. And I took a vacation, used up as many vacation days as I could. And then I came back for a few days and used a few more vacation days. I came back literally just long enough to put in more vacation time. And then I backed out. I still had some more vacation time left, but I really just could not. I think I had like a week of vacation time left. And I really just couldn't go back and didn't have it scheduled. So what I did was I went to work one day and I was going to go in. I promise you I was. I got there early. I was I was like, yeah, I got started today. Maybe it's going to change. But as I sat there and looked at that building, I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do these customers. I can't do these petty ass office politics rewarding those that don't deserve it. And I just can't play the game. I don't want to talk to people when I don't feel like talking. I have to talk to customers. Why do I have to talk to my coworkers? Like I have to talk to customers that y'all piss off by being deceptive. Why should I play this game of having casual conversation? So I decided that I was done and I left, didn't even go in the building that day, sent my resignation letter, cleaned out my car, turned on Uber and Lyft and got busy. And I did that for a week straight while I was um, doing back and forth emails with the job. Once they figured out I resigned, you know, they were contacting me like, why'd you resign? And I told them why. And I told them everything that I hated, like how the supervisors would disappear in the middle of high call volume. Or how the one time when we had mandatory overtime because of outages, these supervisors disappeared for almost two hours and came back out with freaking glitter signs talking about keep up the good work. Girl, don't nobody want your signs? Throw some extra dollars this way. And if that's already covered in the overtime rate, stay your ass at your desk and just be available. We had so many supervisor calls, it was ridiculous. And not one supervisor could be found. I literally, they were doing the stand-up challenge, right? Where if you stand up and a supervisor that was um, marking the sheets that day catches you standing up, then uh, they'll sign your paper. And once your paper is full of signatures for times you were caught standing up, you'll be entered into a drawing to win something. I literally saw supervisors see me stand up and turn the other way. I don't know if they didn't feel like walking over there or if they just didn't like me enough to sign my shit. So then I started standing up all the time. And somehow people that sat down more than me got more signatures and I probably was able to enter one drawing, maybe two. Standing up a lot. 
And honestly, by the time that whole little competition was over, I just thought I stayed standing up anyway because I had to stand up just to keep keep myself into these calls. But anyway, I told uh, HR all about why I was leaving. And they tried to, well, is there anything we can do? The final straw was me not getting the shift I wanted, which was an overnight shift. It was... It was kind of weird because it probably would have been more calls. Well, I mean, I was always back-to-back calls anyway, no matter when I worked, seems like. But um, it was going to be more calls because I'd be working maybe by myself with one other person. But it was going to be without all the office politics. That's what I was looking for, a change. Because like I said, change for me does wonders. It'll reset my patience. So when I didn't get it, that was just it. And so I told them, if I can't get that shift, then there's nothing else that you can do for me. But I thank you for offering. You know, and the the manager was like, oh, we're sorry to see you go. We wish you good luck in your endeavors. We know you'll be successful, da-da-da-da. Basically saying, yeah, you're right. We can't give you that shift. I'm really done, y'all. I'm really done working for other people. I've taken, um, I do stuff on Upwork, and I've taken contract positions short-term, doing things for people. Like, I've answered phones even during my grind time, but the only difference is it's on my terms. I'm not, I mean, I am keeping track of my time, and I'm sure I'm being monitored. However, when I want to leave, it is not me quitting a job. It's me leaving a contract. And most of the time, well, I've never had to quit a contract. Basically, the ones I choose are pretty short. So if it's like a few weeks, I just spend a few weeks doing that. And then by the time I'm really getting tired of it, it's over. And I've been doing Uber, Amazon, all this other stuff. And I was thinking today, I was saying, uh, I haven't done my podcast in two weeks. But I've done other stuff to make money. And I realized the other stuff that makes me money, it doesn't make me happy. It's just less stressful than working. So, you know, when I do Amazon, I haven't done Uber and Lyft since the pandemic started. March 18th was my last day doing Uber and Lyft. I did a lot that day, but that was my last day. But, um... Yeah, so now I do like delivering stuff and it's pretty fun. And then if I wake up too late to get my day started with deliveries, because I like to get them done early, if I wake up too late, then I do captioning online with Rev.com. It's a great website. Uh, Transcribe Me is another website. Um, Pretty dope income once you get through the starting stages and the starting earning amount. Uh, there's other things I do. Like I said, I do Upwork. And when I get a project from Upwork or when I get a voiceover, I started voiceover. So when I get a voiceover gig, I'll do that. The only thing with that is it doesn't pay up front. It pays once it's completed. And then if I do it through Fiverr, Fiverr, it makes you wait two weeks. So it feels too much like a job for me to actually enjoy that because I don't like waiting for my pay. Anyway, I realized that while this stuff doesn't Sorry, I backed up from the mic. While this stuff doesn't make me happy, 
I know what would make me happy and what streams of income I would love to tackle, but I haven't put much effort into them because they don't pay me right now. I have to get them established before they start paying me. And I think that that's the flaw for people like me. We leave ourselves content enough with knowing that we're stable while we're still miserable and our soul is dying. And for me, that stops today. Um, I'm going to focus on getting these streams set up. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I've spent one time, or I've, st- I've spent all this time talking about this, and it's taking up all the time for the podcast because I'm using all of this to make a point, really. I'm going to be going on a brief hiatus. I know I've taken a few with this podcast, but this is one that's actually planned. I'm going to be going on a brief hiatus, and I'm going to focus on getting these streams set up, doing the stuff I love, getting passive um, things set up, and then I will come back with a different podcast. Um, I will not delete this podcast because, you know, we've done three seasons and it's been great. And I want it to be here in case I want to revisit being unfiltered. Of course, anything I do will be unfiltered because I am who I am, but I will be coming back with a different podcast in the in a month or so um, with a whole new setup and possibly with some other people. So I say all that to say, thank y'all for listening and stay tuned. <laughs>